0: Happyopolis, a podcast about urban health and well-being in the Arab world and Germany. How can we make city life healthier, more social, and of course, happier? Is there a scientific formula for a happy city? And can cities be compared, no matter on which continent you find yourself? In each episode of Happyopolis, we'll be featuring cities across the Arab world and Germany – from Berlin and Hamburg to Kuwait City and Cairo. Why these cities? You'd be surprised just how many ideas for a happy and healthy city life they've developed. Solutions that are worth discovering and transferring to your own community. So join me on this podcast to hear members of the Arab-German Young Academy of Sciences and Humanities, Agya, and invited experts as they share their research and innovative solutions. I'm Dr. Louise Lambert, your host, and welcome to Happyopolis. In today's podcast, we join you from Kuwait City, the capital of Kuwait. Most people associate this nation of just three million with the war for oil almost 30 years ago, but it's moved on since then. Today, the rebuilt city is extended along much of Kuwait Bay, a section of the country's 500-kilometer crystal-clear coastline where you're likely to see jet skis, yachts and fishing boats. It's also where the majority of the country, a range of global expatriates as well as Kuwaiti nationals live. The city is home to modern skyscrapers, wide freeways and luxury malls as much as traditional markets. It also boasts a number of public and private universities. In fact, Kuwait University has the highest-ranked faculty of clinical medicine in the region. And if you're looking for a night out, you'll find the region's largest opera house there, too. But, like many cities, it has grown at a rapid pace. Built for the car, given its high temperatures in the summer, over 50 degrees Celsius— footpaths for walking, public transportation, as well as the promotion of natural spaces have taken a back seat. This, alongside rapid modernization, has resulted in high rates of physical inactivity and obesity. In a country where 70% of the population is also under the age of 35, public health and city design are now a major part of the national agenda. To talk about this youthful, bustling city, we speak to Dr. Mohamed el Kattan, Associate Professor in the Department of Physical Education and Sports with the Public Authority for Applied Education and Training in Kuwait. He has a background in public health and specializes in lifestyle interventions. He is also a member of the Arab-German Young Academy of Sciences and Humanities. Welcome to you, Dr. Mohamed.
1: Thank you, Dr. Louise, for having me today. It's so honor for me to be part of this episode.
0: Wonderful. And also joining us today is Dr. Saud Al Khalid, Assistant Professor of Architecture and Urbanism in the College of Architecture at Kuwait University. He is an architect by training, and his research explores the nexus of planning and design to address climate challenges, particularly in hot desert cities, and how that impacts livability. A warm welcome to you as well. Thanks, Dr. Luis. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So, Dr. Mohammed, let's start with you. You've done a lot of research on physical activity on many health outcomes, including sleep, osteoarthritis, and pain. Are you suggesting that physical activity does more than just help us lose weight?
1: Yes, indeed, Luis. Absolutely one of the reasons why People exercises to lose weight. Matter of fact, there are a tremendous health benefit of exercise or being or being active. Actually, so I could simply define a physical activity or exercise as health. So, if you want to prevent chronic disease such as cardiovascular diseases, diabetes type two, specific or some type of cancer. Uh, and to treat yourself from this kind of diseases is you have to exercise. And now being a, just saying that exercise, that you have to exercise in a regular basis. You have to exercise at least three days per week or 45 minutes per session. And it, you could do a, a, a rubric exercise such as walking, cycling, swimming. All this kind of, all this type of exercise are beneficial for us, not only for losing weight, in matter of fact, for our health to live without these chronic diseases.
0: All right. So it sounds like there are obvious benefits to physical activity and likely more than people perceive. But one which is mentioned less often and should be talked about more is the role of physical activity on our mental and emotional states. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, absolutely. So exercise could regulate uh, happy hormones that we could call some of them or I could uh, name a few of them, which is uh, endorphin. This is a, a hormone prim- primarily help one deal with stress and reduce feeling of pain. The uh, second hormone could be serotonin. The serotonin makes you really uh, uh, happy and well being. Uh, when you exercise on a regular basis, our gland re- reduce this hormones. And also, there is another hormone, which is the dopamine. Dopamine is considered to be the pleasure hormone. So it's giving you more motivation. This is kind of the physiology part of it. And the second part here, Dr. Luis, when you exercise on a regular basis, you actually, your body is going to shape better. You're going to have more self-esteem. You will actually could consider... To meet more people because you're gonna have more confidence. and when you exercise, most like people exercise with other uh, uh, folks or other people. So, for example, when I play a football, I, I don't play football just by by myself. I play with other friends, and I could meet other friends, and now I could feel a well-being, a human socializing. It's just by doing the physical activity is just by working out. This is actually, it's, it's it's amazing how exercise could improve our mood as well as improve our health and body. And you just probably mentioned, just walking is a simple mode of exercise because when you just walk, your, your blood circulation gonna increase and the blood carries oxygen, carries ne- nutrient. where our organs going to have more oxygen, going to have more nutrient. we're going to feel better. We're going to feel healthier. And this is why exercise is good for both for mood as well as for your body.
0: So it seems like exercise has been a little bit undersold. We tend to focus on losing weight and and body image, but it sounds like from your description, it's got a lot of magical effects for emotional well-being, but also our social well-being as well. And it seems like really the ability to move our bodies then becomes a prime vehicle, if you will, for good quality of life. And this really begs the question then, is this a role that cities need to consider? And Dr. Saud, this is where your role really comes in. Do cities play a role in the ability of people to do physical activity and exercise?
2: Yeah, thanks, Luis. While I personally tend to look for excuses around this matter myself, (laughs) but the answer to me is a solid yes. Mm. Fundamentally, the way we shape cities is a manifestation of how we will be living in them. Winston Churchill once said, we shape our buildings thereafter, they shape us, which is as relevant to cities and their planning as it is on the architecture of buildings. Now, to answer your question more specifically, we must first differentiate between outdoor physical activity and walkability. Outdoor physical activity can virtually be anywhere between parks, rooftops, and can probably happen across neighborhood leftover spaces as well. However, walkability is this term that describes how friendly a neighborhood or a city is with respect to its pedestrians. Here, cities are designed around the human foot, which dictates proximity to different land users as well as a pedestrian system of proper sidewalks supported by this balance among different modes of transportation.
0: Designed around the human foot, boy, I like that. Most cities are designed around the car, aren't they? There is someone else making Kuwaitis move more and love their city. She is best known by her cheery kindness, but also as the founder of Al noued the first non-profit dedicated to positivity in Kuwait. Her Excellency Sheikha Intisar Al-Sabah, a warm welcome to you. So first, can you give us a brief overview of Al Noer? What is it and what does it do?
3: So, Al is uh, a nonprofit organization that I started in 2013, and it's dedicated to bringing positive social behavioral change in Kuwait through innovative programs based on positive psychology. So, we have different branches of nowhere since we started. So, now we work in private schools, in public schools with uh, a positive educational uh, arm, and uh, we work with the population through and we're, and we're having uh, some new projects coming up and popping up every time we see a need for them.
0: Yay, I can't wait to see them. I know you also began what is called the Yellow Bench Initiative a little while back across the whole country. Can you describe it and why you started that to begin with?
3: Uh, what we did when we first started nowhere is to have... Um, projects or, or campaigns, let's call them different kinds of campaigns. And uh, the Yellow bench started off as the 30 Yellow Benches and became rebranded as the Yellow Bench is one of these campaigns. So uh, it was very interesting because of all the campaigns we've done, tens of campaigns and of all of them, the Yellow Benches is one of the most remembered and uh, the most known for nowhere in the public space, and the reason we started it was, you know, we're all about positivity. And if you cannot see the, the beauty within your surroundings, one cannot really appreciate it. But also, at the same time, once you start seeing the beauty, you start um, changing internally because the more beauty, what what beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. So. The more you you focus on the beauty, the more you focus on the internal beauty of yourself, too. So that's why we did the yellow uh, benches, and it was coinciding with Kuwait's National Month. And I say month because we have the National Day and the Liberation Day both in February. So we got 30 benches, and we had young emerging artists. write and, and paint on them and, and uh, put amazing also uh, phrases and inspirational thoughts and we placed them all around Kuwait so we had a map where we pinpointed all where these 30 yellow benches are and uh, just simply ask people to go enjoy, take pictures, engage with us, uh, and and appreciate the, the you know the the desert, appreciate in the middle of nowhere, appreciate uh the beauty of being in the middle of the old souk, appreciate you know when they put the ba- barriers in the sea for the waves, the big wave crack crashers, we had one there, and so you you had to climb to get there and sit and watch the waves. So we had them in different areas of Kuwait. We and we had bench hunters. So we had this game of bench hunters where people and groups of people would actually go and and, uh, discover all the benches. And it was amazing. And a testament to how amazing it is. We're talking about it
0: seven years after. That's brilliant. And I love uh, these ideas. It's not just about appreciation, looking, but also being in nature, being in the sea. What else did you notice as a result of that initiative? You know, we
3: had a lot of feedback of, of people who either hunted for more than one bench or just appreciated one bench. And all the, most of the feedback, I wouldn't say all the feedback was, we never noticed this area that the bench was facing. And it, you know, like we had one in the middle of, um, um, what do you call it, like a, a jogging path. And we just put one and... People just like, we never really stopped to appreciate what we can see on that path. And that's the most uh, feedback that we got that people really rediscovered the area the bench was in. Even though they pass it daily, some people pass it daily, they never really stopped, you know, stopping and smelling the roses or stopping and sitting on the bench and appreciating what you see. What you feel, what you hear, you know, engaging the senses. That's what, pe- what people mostly noticed and appreciated. And isn't that what gratitude is? And isn't it what positive psychology is all
0: about? Gratitude grows uh, the internal happiness factor. And I think it's also a great example of what we've been talking about today, which is when you build a city, when you set up the infrastructure well, it forces people to stop, listen, appreciate, but it also contributes to their well-being. If we can be a little bit cheeky before we end, which bench is your favorite? Oh, the one behind me here, because it's in my office. <laughs> and,
3: it, <laughs> and, and it was my birthday bench. So this is my birthday bench. And the fact that it's got a lot of Australia uh, for me, so Make-A-Wish. Uh, and they the wishes and true We got me with my, uh, when I was younger on on my pony. But also, I mean, because it's here and, you know, I don't have to make an effort to appreciate what I have. Uh, it's, it's one of my top ones. But also the one where I had to climb over the, uh, the wave breakers to get to is one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, we're going to do, uh, you know, we're going to restart the Bench Initiative also this year because it's going to be
0: our 10th anniversary. Brilliant. So hopefully this motivates and encourages our listeners to come to Kuwait City, find the bench, hunt for the bench, and appreciate uh, the lovely beauty that you have there that is still relatively unknown, but hopefully inviting. Thank you so much. We are honored to have you with us today. Again, Sheikha Intasad al-Sabah from Kuwait. Thank you and enjoy the day. Thank you and have a brilliant day. ahead want to learn a little more about what agya is doing in kuwait agya the arab german young academy of sciences and humanities currently has four members and two alumni in kuwait who are well connected to its diverse research landscape in the natural sciences as well as the humanities and social sciences in 2018, AGYA held its first annual conference in Kuwait. This event had a lot to offer, a festive ceremony at the National Library of Kuwait, networking sessions with Kuwaiti research institutions, and even a science outreach slam. AGIA's annual conference was realized in close collaboration with the support of KFAS, the Kuwait Foundation for the Advancement of Sciences. Agia looks forward to many more successful projects and events in Kuwait. So in light of that, could you both describe Kuwait City for this, you know, design around the human foot? Would you say it is a walkable city? And more importantly, is it improving as a walkable city?
2: Well, uh, Kuwait's residential neighborhoods were designed to be walkable 70 years ago, but not anymore for several reasons. If we take a look at Kuwait's first master plan submitted by the British town planners Monoprio Spensley and McFarlane in 1951, we find that it was designed with the neighborhood unit concept credited to the uh, American planner Clarence Perry. It was basically this residential design model with amenities such as schools, places of worship and recreational areas in a centrally located junction connected with low speed and low traffic streets and major highways basically define the boundaries of that neighborhood. This model then became uh, basically a blueprint upon which all neighbourhoods were then developed and a building code was also established shortly after uh, that master plan in support uh, of the neighbourhood unit concept. The efforts left Kuwait with what can be considered highly walkable suburban neighbourhoods where pedestrians are actually able to move freely within and linked to the downtown through ring roads and highways. But not until changes were made uh, to the residential building code during the second half of the 20th century, specifically in the year 1996, which caused severe degradation to the quality of the built environment and specifically walkability within the neighborhoods. These changes specifically included the elimination of car parking from being within the residential plots to permitting cars to park on the sidewalks and thus inhibited their use by pedestrians. So pedestrians since then were basically forced to use the streets instead of the sidewalks to move around the neighborhood
0: which I gather is not the safest thing to do. Um, so what was the consequence of that?
2: Uh, it not only forced pedestrians to use the streets, but we also lost potentials of three-line sidewalks, uh, if you can imagine, within the neighbourhoods. These could have provided necessary shadescapes, if I may, that pedestrians require, especially in Kuwait, where temperatures in summer are soaring to unprecedented levels lately.
0: Uh, and Dr. Mohammed, how about you? How would you describe the city and would you add anything that makes the city more walkable that perhaps architects, urban planners
1: uh, overlook? So I totally agree with Dr. Sood about, I would, I would like to share my personal ex- experience here. So regarding the walkability city, so when I was a kid, let's say that 30 years ago, So. I actually during after our oh, afternoon, so we could see all the kids in the neighborhood go outside and we could gather and there are there there is area that we could play football over there and we could really socialize together for a couple of hours. and I still live in the same neighborhood, and right now I could not see any kid uh, during the day. Whatsoever. There are many reasons actually for that. I just probably Dr. Saud mentioned a few of them. And also because we have more video games right now, it's not safe for uh, kids to go outside by themselves. There are cars that probably going back and forth, and parents worried about their uh, kids. And actually, this is kind of problem that we have here uh, in Kuwait, unfortunately, these days.
0: Okay. And it sounds like it's sort of a self-perpetuating idea. So the less space there is, the less people go out, the less they go out, the less they go out. Um So I think we can all agree that poorly built cities make it hard or harder, at least for people to be active. But this is easier said than done in hotter climates as well, adding an extra layer of difficulty where in Kuwait City and other cities in the region, for example, temperatures often and regularly reach 50 degrees Celsius. Um, Dr. Mohammed, can we assume that the heat affects the way people use their cities and maybe more specifically when they use their cities or their spaces, like night versus day, and and what consequences that might have? Well,
1: absolutely, Dr. Luis. So, unfortunately, Uh, The high temperature in the summer here in Kuwait, one of the major causes that people do not do physical activity uh, outdoor. Uh, And this is actually why we'll lead that Kuwait is considered one of the country who has a high obesity rate in the JCC area and in the world actually. And this is not good for the for the healthcare in Kuwait because we're going to have more overweight and more obesity uh, rate in Kuwait. So this is considered to have more chronic diseases. And uh, regarding the heat, so it's it is it is actually quite hot here in Kuwait. So in the summer, but uh, the good thing is you have to avoid or to go over any. Uh, obstacle that you face. Uh, so, for example, I will give you here some examples of that for people that could really do physical activity outdoor. First of all, that early in the morning, so let's say 6, 5, uh, 7 a.m. in the morning, the temperature is quite actually not that hot as much as in the afternoon, that they could do some kind of any exercise or they could work out uh, outside. And I highly recommend this time of the day because uh, now you could expose to the sun and then you're going to have more vitamin d and unfortunately here in kuwait uh, many people they have a, a, a vitamin d deficiency and this is one way to really improve our vitamin d and as well as to exercise and improve our health now the second thing that you could do is you could work out or do exercise outdoor at night. So the temperature is still hot, but it's still that you could exercise. And if you are willing to work out, to do a physical activity or exercise during the day, it's the best thing to do is, is swimming. One of the best type or mode of exercise that you could do in the summer, even if it's not only fifty degrees uh, Celsius, even if sixty degrees Celsius, that you could swim, and you could actually swim for a longer time because when you are in, we when we are in the water, that we reduce the core temperature, and we can uh, avoid actually uh, the the sweat, and we could exercise more, and we're going to have more health benefit, and this is actually the best way to reduce the rate of obesity in Kuwait.
0: Although 60 degrees sounds quite impressive i'm i'm still stuck on 60 degrees 60 degree it actually gets to 60 degrees oh my gosh but what it really shows is that it's not as simple as it looks it's not just a matter of go out and do something but to really have to plan physical activity around one's day and not necessarily just when one feels like it but when it's amenable to do so As an example of how cities in the Gulf region can beat the heat, so to speak, we are joined by Dr. Ahmed Sahia, an Agia alumnus from Jordan and current chair and professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at the American University of Ras al-Khaimah, in the United Arab Emirates. You are currently working on the project in the Emirates, addressing outdoor thermal comfort. Can you tell us a little bit more about this idea, especially in the context of being in a very hot country for so much of the year? Yeah. Okay,
4: thank you, Dr. Louise. Um, Actually, uh, the idea of uh, outdoor thermal comfort is uh, aiming to improve or to extend the nice weather in winter in the united arab emirates uh, for one or two months before winter and after winter this will have a lot of benefits when we are talking about tourism when we are talking about well-being when we are talking about activities outside actually we are working on several aspects several techniques and several materials And the work is an interdisciplinary work and multidisciplinary work. So we have a lot of ideas that can be realized. We can talk about landscaping, which is something that can improve the uh, outdoor uh, comfort. We can talk about um, oscillating air, for example, to simulate or uh, the normal air breeze. So oscillating motion, not just having a fan or something like that. So air can play a good role. Uh, Mist and spray can also be uh, a very uh, effective technique. But of course also we can talk about uh, plants, we can talk about shading, we can talk about a lot of things in this uh, direction. We know that if we have green areas, this will help a lot in uh, actually improving the weather conditions. Some plants, they can also use as shading if you have it, they will affect the area and also they can um, improve the, um, the, the quality of air. Also, when we are talking about um, um, if we have a new area, we can design the area in passive way in order to get benefit from the weather, the air circulation, the, um, the buildings are shading somewhere uh, that is benefiting for or that can be used for pedestrians and so on. Passive, it means that we are not using equipment. We are benefiting from the building orientation. We are benefiting from the shade coming from the buildings. We are benefiting from all these things without going to adding extra uh, equipment like spraying or something like that. So passive means that we are benefiting from the um, natural sources, natural issues that we have. So a lot of things can be done in this direction.
0: I don't know if there's any data on this recently. Maybe you can speak to, has the rate of obesity changed in Kuwait? Or maybe if you could just speak to, have you noticed that Kuwaitis are doing more exercise?
1: Yes, Dr. Luis. So regardless of the question, so people have the awareness about the benefit of exercise. But unfortunately, they do not do the right amount of exercise and this is why actually, we still have the high rate of obesity. however, I would like to give you here an example why people actually starting to exercise more during the pandemic and during also the the, the full uh fully lockdown of the country. The government of Kuwait gave uh, the uh, the people two hours to do a physical activity uh, during the day and this is why more people actually starting to go outside during these 2 hours and to do with their kids and this is really nice to see that uh, all people with their kids their family try to walk to some of them try actually to do some jogging and this is was very nice and for this reason Many people adapt this uh, lifestyle because they felt uh, the, the 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 health benefits of the physical activity and exercise, and this is why I think now more people actually exercising more, and this is good. Now, and and I hope this will happen uh, more in the future. That where. Uh, the country give a specific times during the day, or once a month, or once a week, that there is no cars, no one driving, no one could drive cars, and you could actually, uh, and we as people could walk in the neighborhood and socialize with each other. This just will increase the physical activity in the whole country.
0: I love this example for a variety of reasons. One is this idea that in Gulf countries, also Kuwait, when the government says, we would really like you to do this, people do it. Um, And to earmark that time to say this is for physical activity versus you have two hours to go run your errands or run to the grocery shop or drive to the grocery shop. But specifically for physical activity, that really sends a message that this is important, this is valued, and we think this is a good idea to improve the quality of life for everybody. So uh, I think that's fantastic. And as you say, if that can carry on, um, what a great habit. Now, the other thing that strikes me about this two-hour break that originally started during pandemic, but that could potentially be brought forward I- into the coming uh, months and even years, would this be a viable solution for governments to take on as a policy proposal,
1: absolutely, Doctor Luis. I totally agree here. E- even if you could do it once a week, or or in the, in the worst scenario, you could do it once a month. That we could have a two hours a break that nobody could do a, a, like a driving. That we actually could first of all reduce the pollution rate, and this might actually reduce the the the, the, the heat wave as well from from the. From the cars, and then actually we get people gonna exercise more they're gonna go out they're gonna move more, and that's going to be beneficial for the whole uh, the whole picture for for example the, the the per- in the personal level, there will be a, a health benefit in the society as well as the country because this now we could uh, aiming and trying to have a goal to reduce the obesity rate in Kuwait, and this is actually gonna make the, the
2: country more stronger, and then uh, uh, we're gonna be happier as well. If I may add to that, yeah, I think it's it's a great idea, but to, to really make it feasible uh, to the country to apply it, I think scaling it down would also work, right? Certain stretches of streets can be blocked for only pedestrians at certain times of day, and this can continue as a program for the uh, government to adapt, right, or cities to adapt. And, and this is one way of, uh, as Dr. Mohammed proposed, of bringing that culture that happened and the inadvertent positive culture that happened during the lockdown and the pandemic to really prevail and continue uh, po- positively. So, yeah, I think this really works.
0: And and it's a great example, again, of a very wide ranging initiative or policy step that not only tackles physical health, but emotional health and social community building as well. So we very much look forward to seeing what the leadership does with your fantastic idea and uh, how this can be implemented in Kuwait as an example for the world. Um, Dr. Saud, when you hear this, what does this mean to you in terms of how cities should be built?
2: Yeah, I think there are many solutions and best practices out there, honestly, that one could utilize and help increase usage and frequency of outdoor spaces in the hyper-hot and arid regions like Kuwait. Uh, I remember from my PhD studies, I monitored a typical neighborhood unit that is representative of what I can say is a prevailing residential landscape in Kuwait for 92 summer days. Uh, I noticed that within one neighborhood, we can find a difference of up to 2 degrees Celsius in air temperature. And this is quite large when it comes to outdoor thermal comfort. These differences were mainly attributed to certain morphological configurations and surface characteristics. And what I mean by that is basically solar-conscious developments and an orientation with regards to solar orientation, and also the use of light-colored materials that are really able to modulate the thermal environment. They also include materials that are responsive to the climate, such as pervious materials, which allow water to pass through and therefore prolong stages of evaporative cooling. These intentional combination of er of form and materials can certainly alleviate the harshness of summers and potentially allow greater usage and walkability. So therefore, we could plan it even easier throughout our day.
0: That's a lot to think about. So it's not just a matter of, Make sure the city's walkable, but also the materials we use, the positions in which we we put buildings or streets also seems to matter. Um, You mentioned, though, you know, it's one thing to think about um, building the city better, but also it's hard to ignore the future. Um, Is it enough to simply build better for today?
2: Yeah, building better is, of course, uh, required. However, as you mentioned, might not be enough. Recent green infrastructure developments uh, we're witnessing in Kuwait around parks have clearly instigated positive behavior and perception of the built environment. However, planning for today's temperature and not accounting for scarcity of resources in the very near future is something that is certainly worrisome.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, again, building for today's conditions, which might mean uh, also retrofitting or repairing the past, but also thinking about the future of climate change and how that will further strain our ability to use the city really needs to be on the mind of urban planners, which will be a significant piece of work regionally, certainly, but globally as well. Um, at the same time, people make cities and their ingenuity in living with them always seems to prevail. So on that note, I'd like to, you know, maybe ask a little bit more of a personal question to you both. Where do you go to be happy and move in the city? And what have you noticed about your own happiness as a result?
2: I think this is a very important question. Uh, however, I, it seems like I haven't found my happiness Yet in the city, maybe moving out of the city is still where I usually find my happiness. Uh, especially in and around Kuwait, we enjoy the beaches, we enjoy the peri-urban areas uh, more than the cities. And that's speaking of myself.
0: Okay, so you just decided I'm just gonna I'm just gonna step out of this out a little bit. City, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> fantastic, Dr. Mohammed. How about you? Where do you go to be happy and move? So actually. I believe
1: everybody deserves to be happy, no matter where you are uh, we should be happy so and for me actually i thanks God that I consider myself to be a happy person. one of the reason or one of the things that I usually do is by surrounding myself with a positive people. This is one of the reasons that I'm happy. The second reason is and you could tell that from my uh, major is exercise physiology, uh, that uh, it's, it's exercises my life.
0: Well, there you go, everybody. We have evidence and testimony that it is possible at 60 degrees Celsius. We're just going to have to take your word for it. <laughs> I hope this gives our listeners the urge to come and visit Kuwait in the wintertime, perhaps is a better idea, but also to experience what their own cities have to offer in terms of walkability, health and happiness. Again, we'd like to thank Dr. Mohammed El-Katan and Dr. Saud El-Khalid for giving us a winter into Kuwait's city life. Make sure to join us on our next episode. We'll be in the bustling city of Cairo, Egypt's capital, to talk about traffic and noise, as well as urban design, mobility, and well-being. See you then. On behalf of Agia, the Arab-German Young Academy of Sciences and Humanities, I'm your host, Dr. Louise Lambert, and you've been listening to Happyopolis a podcast on the best of urban health and happiness, from cities like Berlin and Hamburg to Kuwait City and Cairo. Agya brings together excellent Arab and German scholars across 23 countries to jointly address shared challenges and develop solutions through sustainable research cooperation. To learn more about the Academy, visit us at agya.info.
2: Apiopolis is a podcast by the Arab-German Young Academy of Sciences and Humanities, AGYA, in cooperation with Charité University Medicine Berlin. To learn more about the Academy, visit us at agya.info. Apiopolis is a production by We Are Producers. Agia is sponsored by the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research, BMBF, and various Arab Corporation partners. This podcast is funded by the Senate Chancellery for Higher Education and Research Berlin.